Scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. This week on the Animation Station Podcast, I sit down with webcomic creator Stephen McCraney. This week's episode is also brought to you by Studio Headphones, the maker of high-quality headphones. All you have to do is go to studio.com, use the code ASP15 at checkout to get 15% off your first order, and free worldwide shipping. So strap yourselves in, Space Cadets. The ASP starts now. Alright, hello and welcome to the Animation Station Podcast, brought to you by Studio Headphones. I'm your host, Josh, and joining me to kick off Webcomic Week is webcomic creator Stephen McCraney. How you doing, Stephen? Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me today. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for coming on. Now, uh, I will say, while you're doing this, you're working on Space Boy right now. Uh, I uh, made sure to have all my pencils done, so I'm just kind of doing mindless inking and stuff like that, just putting the inks on. Awesome. Now, so let's go ahead and we kind of we'll jump off with Space Boy. So you uh, created Space Boy and premiered it on Webtoons back in March of 2015, correct? Yeah. Um, it's It was kind of a... Um, it was when Webtoons was first getting started, so they... They uh, made a contest to um, try to bring in more talent uh, and get people interested in the platform. And um, at the time, I had been kind of wandering around looking for work. And uh, I saw that they were offering like $30,000 for first prize. Jeez. I was like, what? This is weird. Like, this doesn't happen in webcomics. What? Webcomics isn't worth this much. <laughs> And they had like a second and third prize for like five thousand dollars each. So I was like, okay. And so I, but I, and I think most people, especially professional cartoonists at the time, they just had like no one was taking it seriously, um, and it looked like a scam. And at the very, at the word like, at the very best, it looked like um, a big company trying to get a bunch of IP and just kind of IP farming. Yeah. And uh, essentially, like trying to get people to submit stuff so they could steal all their rights or something. But I did my research and um, man, there's been a web comics kind of revolution in Korea and it turned out they checked out. So I made a challenge for myself that I was going to draw a hundred pages in two months um, for this contest. And I stopped doing everything I was doing. And, and, and at the time, like I said, no one really knew about the platform. So I felt like I had kind of an advantage a little bit of, uh, and the fact that there wasn't a lot of professional cartoonists um, who were, you know, taking it seriously. And so I didn't have to compete with a lot of super good talent. Uh, not to say that there wasn't a lot of good talent in the contest, but but at the time it was a pretty small pool. Um, but I worked, really, worked my butt off and I even produced like a little YouTube series about the experience and uh, uh, ended up winning the contest. Um so Space Boy started as the first uh, Webtoons Discover Talent Search winner and was uh, featured as a, uh, they brought me on to their staff as a feature cartoonist. That's awesome. Since then. So what, what made you so want to do Space Boy? It was a pretty great Sorry. So, so what, made you, what, uh, what made you want to do Space Boy? Like what, what brought that concept up? Um, it's been kind of rolling around in my head for a long time. Um, and it's an amalgamation of like a lot of teeny ideas. So I really couldn't say 
it's a lot of it's like unconscious, unconscious little bits and story bits. I will say there was um, a Japanese, uh, there's a Japanese film that I watched about um, hikikomori, which is like a, a shut in kind of yeah. this phenomenon in Japanese society, you know, where, yeah, it's essentially what it's like to just isolate yourself from, from society and um, that kind of connected with some other ideas. But yeah, it, it, it's hard to describe. I don't know. I couldn't exactly explain it, <laughs> which I think is um, actually strangely important as an artist. I've started to realize that like, if you can explain what you're doing, it probably means you're not making very good art. (laughs) Um, That the best art is the stuff where like you actually go out there and you try to figure something out that you don't understand. And you, you bring people along with you to kind of contemplate something that's mysterious and beyond yourself. So, um, so I proudly say that I don't quite know where it came from and where it's go, where it's going exactly. (laughs) But yeah. so were you a big fan of uh, like sci-fi and everything growing up? Is that what you want to do something in space? Um, I, um, yeah, I was, I, I am a big fan of sci-fi, but uh, I never thought of like, I'll do this. Yeah. I never decided to make space Boy because of the genre okay. of my love for the genre. It's just um, a really efficient way to talk about a lot of important concepts to, you know, our current society and stuff. So, so, uh, so you talk about bringing up a lot of important concepts. Like, what are some of the main concepts that you want to uh, explore and uh, uh, present to your readers? Um, I think um, I'm asking questions like, uh, why, why do friendships end? Um, why do people grow apart? And, uh, but even broadly... I think our, I think we as especially as Americans living in kind of a materialistic society deal with a lot of um, kind of just existential depression, sort of where there's just a a sense that like if if our lives just come down to the stuff that we have um, or you know the things that we own, if that if the world is just what you can see and touch, then then why are we here? You know what is there any meaning beyond that? Like, is this it? Um, or is there, is there just a big, like vast nothingness out there? Or is there something more like in the beyond, um, which I guess essentially kind of comes down to the question of like, does God exist? Is there meaning in the world? Is there kind of an ultimate reality that we should strive for? And um, so it kind of deals with existentialism to a certain extent, but it's, it's, I try to make it, it, it's in a way that's accessible. I think um, it's not a philosophical. It gets philosophical, but it's a natural extension of the characters in the story. It's I don't put the philosophy before the story. Um, it's more about the honest reactions of the characters as these these struggles. I think a lot of us have as we're trying to piece our lives together. Because like I, I know you did a lot of like you do a lot of stuff with uh, augmented reality in the series and. Yeah. I, I like the way that you do that, and I like the way that Amy, when she first comes, like, when she first gets uh, basically to the future, um, and she starts seeing all of this, um, and, like, I can't, I, I can't even talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, 
Sorry. I'm in case everybody doesn't know, I've been sick for the last week, so I took some medication before we did this, so my mind's all over the place. Um <laughs> but uh, when she when she gets uh transport spo- minor spoilers for Space Boy. Um when she gets uh w- awoken in the future, she has to figure out all of these, you know, augmented reality and everything and not understanding what she's missing. But then also knowing that everything that she's seeing with the augmented reality is not real. Yeah. So like all these people are pretending to be what something that they're obviously not, and they're all perfectly okay with it. And she wants to still have that real world, and it's like, why are you missing out what's happening in the real world when you're shut up in the augmented reality? I, th- I thought that was a really a really cool take on that. Yeah, and for that, I think the reason that resonates so much is just because augmented reality is a technology that we're like currently developing and could become a possibility if they're able to, to, to make it. But also I think just as we are, um, it was just kind of like, I was kind of expressing that, like the fact that like social media has essentially, um, it's made itself a, a real necessity to function in our, you know, in our everyday world. And yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. kind of empty in a lot of ways. It makes things very shallow. And, uh, and I think we're starting to, we take for granted the fact that um, we kind of create these digital personas um, that people interact with. Um, I, I think that, that that should be kind of a shocking and strange thing that, uh, that you set up a profile on a, on a social media platform and put your picture on it. And then people come and talk to it uh, while you're gone, it's weird. Yeah. It's kind of weird. And, and when you say something and people don't, maybe one person likes it, but no one else does it. You feel like, Oh, that, that, that thing I said doesn't really matter, but maybe that one person who liked it a lot, you know, <laughs> maybe it changed their lives. Like there's no way, but the fate, the little like buttons really don't tell you much about how, what you said went out and impacted the world so different than talking to someone face to face and um there is a certain falseness to our to the digital worlds that we create um which again i was kind of trying to talk about using using just augmented reality as a metaphor for it because i mean yeah i mean just going off with uh some of the stuff they have now especially in the vr i mean there's full vr chat rooms where you can just like put a little anime character as your avatar and walk around with them and interact with other people and so i mean it could be your voice, sure, but I mean, that is not the real you, and it's basically like kind of what's going on in uh, like in the high school in Space Boy. Yeah, just just all kinds of different ways that we're every we all have to be connected to the mm-hmm. web. Yeah, and I um, I'm getting ready. I have a new uh, so Space Boy is gonna um, it's coming out as a book from uh, Dark Horse in July. And uh, really excited mm-hmm. about it. The first volume is going to be out, and uh, and I'm some starting to have to ramp up my social media stuff, which is kind of unfortunate. Unfortunate a little bit. I there were months and months where I barely was on social media at all because it it's really distracting and hard to do like good work. I think when you're kind of um, in two worlds at once, so to speak, it divides your focus up to a certain yeah. extent. But now I'm having to ramp up and get back on it again and so i'm kind of like oh this is kind of unfortunate but there's a necessity there like i said like we we don't we almost don't give people an option um and then we get 
Like I've noticed that if I'm not on social media, um, you know, people actually kind of will get mad at me in a certain, you know, like it makes it a little inconvenient that they actually have to talk to me, you know, or things like that. And uh, like with my friends, like if I don't jump on the platform they're on, um, then I, uh, you know, there's a social consequence for that. And I, I mean, I sound yeah. like a, a Luddite or like a, like a kind of a technology curmudgeon, <laughs> but, um, but I think what we do, we, we, we kind of like, uh, we don't measure, we only look at what technology gives us, but we don't measure what it takes away from us. Um, cause it's just so hard to see negatives, you know, it's so hard to see, uh, to see the absence of something. Um, but I think it's really important and, uh, it's important to say like, what is this? this is giving me something clearly, but what is it taking away? And uh, is that something I'm willing to part with? Um, but since it's all free, we're like, oh, just sign up. It's free. You know, there's no cost, but there's a cost or else it wouldn't exist. You know, like they're doing it for a reason. Um, and uh, it's to get your attention. It's to get your focus and it's to take your, there's li- a literal monetary industry based on that. And it, it can kind of suck you dry a little bit, especially creatively. So, yeah. And I, I tried to put that in the comic. I sound really negative toward it, but I tried to put in the comic that it was like, <laughs> it's it's not bad. It's not inherently evil. It's just a technology, and we need to use it rather than it using us. Um, and it, there are some positives to it. You know, there are some really good things about it. But we should really be careful, and we should think about it. And so I'm... Yeah, that's what I try to kind of put in the comic to a certain extent. Now, did you always want to be an artist? Like, like when you were growing up, did little Stevie, did he want to always be, you know, someone who drew and, you know, did things like comics and illustrations and everything yeah, like that? Yeah, I've been drawing comics um, since before I knew how to write. I would I would draw a comic and my mom would fill in the speech, have my mom fill in the speech bubbles for me. And so I couldn't even technically read the comic I had drawn because I didn't know how to read. But I had drawn a comic, so it, it it kind of was my language from really young age. Nice. So any any big like uh, comic uh, uh, references and everything growing up, like were you a big fan of like one of the Marvels or the DCs or uh, like Archie or Calvin and Hobbes, anything like that? I, yeah. So yes to all those things. Anything that had anything that was in a comics format, I read and kind of consumed. Awesome. So so what type of uh, manga like really hit you? Um, the biggest one was Nausicaa, um, which I found in high school. And have you read that one? Um, I don't think so. Like for whatever reason, like the, when you said Nausicaa, I like I went to like the Ghibli film. And I'm, yeah, no, that's right. Okay. Um, the, so uh, way back in the day, Miyazaki wanted to create Nausicaa. It would be his first um, independently created film. I think before that, he directed uh, Lupin the Third, but. Yeah, I this think, would be I think his that own. was his first one was Lupin. Yeah. So he wanted to write his film, but they were like, well, at the time, and still today, they most uh, a lot of the anime industry is tied to whether it does well as a manga. So they're like, well, you need to prove that this will do well in the, you know, so make a manga. So he, he went and he started uh, producing Nausicaa, this amazing comic um, for any, any, Interestingly, he had like a lot of European um, influence in it, so it's a sort of reads a little bit differently than a manga. But he um, he started producing it for a magazine called um, Animage, and uh, uh, you know 
worked on it for a couple months or so, or, or maybe even a year or so. And uh, they're like, okay, oh, well, this is really good. You know, so let's make this into a movie. So then he goes and he makes the movie, but then he, but the, but the manga still wasn't finished. And he went back and produced, um, like a, he worked on it for a good, like 10 more years oh, uh, off and on between films. And man, if you haven't read it, it takes a story of Nausicaa and it's like a 2000 page opus. It's just beautiful. And what's amazing about him is that it reads like an anime. Like he has all of his animation skills. And so as a comic, it's just brilliant because there's a, such a sense of movement and cinematography to it. And it's incredible. So that really blew me away. I definitely recommend it. Awesome. I'll have to check that out because I've seen the movie and I really like the film, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know that there was a manga based off. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. No, yeah. So, and it's, it's by the man himself and it's, all of his brilliance is totally in there. And I think in the film, um, they don't even leave the Valley of the Wind, but in the manga, so. he, they go all around the world, the entire world. Like, oh. and uh, there's giant cataclysmic events and grappling with all these kinds of ancient gods and things like that. And it's a really incredible kind of, um, graphic contemplation of life just as Miyazaki always does. But yeah, so that was probably one of my biggest influences um, when I first got into manga. Awesome. Now, um, did you pull any of your uh, storytelling elements or character design from any certain, any certain manga or like, do, do you know of one that just really strikes out you? Like uh, I know Nausicaa, but uh, something else that's like, you know what? I really love the way that these characters are designed. Or I really love the way this person tells a story. Um, another good one. Have you read Bone? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've seen Bone. We uh, when I worked at um, Walden Books slash Borders, um, it would always be in the in the comic section. But and like so, I've seen them. Like when I would have to stock and I would flip through some pages, but I've never actually sat down and read any of it, like cover to cover. Yeah. That's probably. And I'm giving you some heavy reading here. These are both literally like 2,000 page works, but yeah. but uh, that's another one where where um, again Jeff Smith he has he has animator training and he he comes in and creates this real masterwork. And um, and what's amazing about his work is that like you uh, you really feel the weight of the characters um, and. Uh, uh, it's again very character driven. Uh, he doesn't have an agenda as he creates the work. He's just trying to um, be true to the characters and bring them along their journey. And that one's a really appealing. It has a lot more um, kind of a, a pull for the audience, I think, because it it, it kind of asks the question like, what if Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and Goofy went to the land of Mordor and tried to go on this epic Tolkien-like adventure? Um, so it has all the appeal of a Disney film with all of the epicness of a of a high fantasy, and it's inc- it, that's what's incredible about that that piece of work. Now, I mean, I, I will say, like, I came into like uh, into the magazine a little bit later. Like when I first, like the first thing I remember about anything any Japanese esque type thing was when Toonami first started. Like when I was getting, so I was getting all the anime and everything, but like I didn't get into manga until. Uh, really, honestly, when the internet got a little bit better. So, yeah. I mean, not until, like, I was, like, you know, 
16, 17, 18, that's when, you know, I'd be like, oh, there's actually a place where you can, you know, find things and like, oh, there's such a thing called the manga? I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. Uh, so then, you know, going into like borders and like buying, you know, like Shonen Jump and like actually seeing that there was a manga section, you're like, oh, cool. I could actually read the things that I'm watching on TV. Um, did, were you a, were you a big fan of like that anime, like kind of like Japan Invasion? Yeah, it really um, was incredible to witness. Just because I was, I was, I mean, um, yeah. Since I like I told you, I've been reading. I had read as much comics as I could everywhere, all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was really, even though I was really young, I was really also really aware of where the comics industry was. Um, I remember a time when this makes me sound old, but I'm not that old, really, honestly. Sort of. <laughs> uh, I remember a time when the graphic novel section in the bookstore was two shelves, um, and when manga came along, essentially, what happened, if you can imagine, like imagine a, you know, imagine comics like starting to gain steam in in Japan in the 50s and 60s and becoming this huge industry. And a huge art form with hundreds of thousands of, of cartoonists and genres and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you know, developing for 50 years. And, and then they, they're starting to, it's starting to become popular in America. So they essentially like it, import the, the, the most uh, popular and the, the cream of the crop from this huge pool of the last 50 years of the best comics and it was it was really huge and so it felt really hard to, to compete with intimidating even because um, the like as far as shelving space goes and like borders and stuff it was growing at rates of like 100 200 300 percent per year for a while mm-hmm. there um, which is so nuts that just doesn't happen it was like an it was like a, a shift and like an upset and so it was really something to pay attention to because uh, um, yeah, like there was a, a definite paradigm shift that was going on, um, and kind of unfair, honestly, to us American cartoonists. But what you gonna do? You gotta adapt. <laughs> All right, now real quick, need to read something. Uh, just to let everybody know this episode of the ASP is brought to you by Studio Headphones. Studio wants to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Most headphones on the market can offer you one of two things: style or tech. Studio wants to bridge that gap. While emphasizing modern Scandinavian design, they provide a product that makes the high... I can't read. uh, That matches the quality of the highest rated headphones on the market for a fraction of the cost. Uh, Personally, I'm using their newest model, the Trey. Uh, They're perfect for when I'm at the gym or when I'm working at my desk. With nine hours of battery life, I really don't have to worry about them dying anytime. And because of the design, they never fall out of my ears like my old headphones do. Uh, Studio is giving all ASPers 15% off and free worldwide shipping on your next purchase by using the code ASP15 at checkout. Again, go to studio.com and enter the code ASP15 at checkout to get yourself an awesome pair of snazzy headphones. Okay, so let's go a, a little bit more into Space Boy because honestly right now, again, spoilers for Space Boy, uh, you're really starting to kill me with this whole Argo arc. With young Oliver, yeah, because I, because you kind of told us what's gonna happen, yeah, or you've alluded to things that are gonna happen, and I'm like, man, come on, you're making me fall in love with some characters. 
I know. And it's, and it's hard. It's a little bit. I think I, I can hear that. I'll, I'll get on Twitter and talk with some of the fans. And they're like, so so how long is this going to last? <laughs> and, um, yeah, <laughs> it, it is uh, it is a hard thing to watch. It's, um, yeah, I don't know how, what level of spoilers are are you going to post for this episode? Hey, man, uh, I'm I'm not going to, I'll post whatever you say. So <laughs> if you don't want to talk about it, don't spoil anything that you don't want to talk about. All right. Well, I guess in a broad scope, this current. Honestly, honestly, no, honestly, no real spoilers because I don't want to be spoiled myself. Yeah, can you repeat that? Uh, honestly, not a bunch of spoilers because I don't want to be spoiled myself. I get you. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Well, then, what's the question? <laughs> I feel you. Uh, the question is. Uh, sorry. The question is Josh. <laughs> sorry, not. Yeah, sorry. the question is Josh. Josh just wanted to rant a bit. <laughs> I get you. Yeah. No, I think a lot of people are feeling that right now, and. Uh, um. Yeah, it's it's one of the biggest tools in my toolbox is to keep them wanting more, and it's kind of what I get paid for. <laughs> Um, so I really <laughs> squeeze it out, but I, I hope that I pay it off. I think sometimes a comic can, uh, end up undermining itself by just keep continually promising stuff, but I'm working towards, I'll put it this way. I'm working towards the, the culmination of these arcs as quickly as I can <laughs> every week. I'm like, okay, how much closer are we? Okay. But boy, comics is a very slow medium, um, cause I have to draw every single moment. So now for like so when you created like what we'll just two our main two uh, for Amy and Oliver what did you were there any special designs or were there any you know people in your life personally that you were basing these two characters off of Yeah I think um uh Amy was uh is very close to my sister she's um very sensitive and uh thoughtful and um yeah caring for people. Um, Oliver's kind of funny because he didn't really, it takes about a hundred or hundred or 200 pages to actually even meet him or get to know him as a character in yeah. the story. And I was scared of him for a little while because he was the X factor that I didn't quite understand. And I was nervous that I, again, this whole making promises you can't keep. I was nervous that he was going to like unveil his character and kind of destroy what I was working on. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but ironically, I think uh, Oliver turned out to be more like me than anybody else in the story. So I was scared of myself essentially. Oh, well don't be scared of yourself. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I do, I, I, I do kind of get that. Like, especially when, you know, you're writing something like I know whenever I do one of these, I always have to be like, okay, Josh, don't, don't sound stupid. Don't mess up. Don't, mm. Stop sniffling in your while you're trying to do this interview. Be sure and actually learn how to read. Go get some hooked on phonics after this episode mm -hmm. so you can actually know how to pronounce words. Yeah, I get you. So yeah, I get There's that. There's a certain like, um, especially because I'm creating this at a really fast pace. Um, it, there, every a lot of it's improv, which is. I think improv is like one of the most terrifying ways to create something, but it's also one of the best ways to create something meaningful. It's like with podcasting, like for you, in your case, like your audience doesn't really want pre-scripted perfect stuff. They kind of want the magic that happens in the moment that is, that is unscripted and, you know, real. 
And I think in mm-hmm. Spaceboy, like I'm constantly trying to reach for that. And it's a, it's a really uncomfortable way to write because I have to cede a lot of territory to my characters themselves and let them take the wheel and, and kind of bounce off of each other. But I think it's more honest in the end. And I think that uh, that's why a work can resonate and, and why a podcast can resonate too. Um, now, kind of going off of uh, character design, I I, I kind of started rereading. Yeah. Um, because I was like, you know what? For this, I want to go ahead and start rereading so I can get a sense of like the earlier stuff again. So I went back to the earlier stuff, and I love the way that you have progressed with your art oh, style. Oh, thank you. Um. It's like because I read it, read the like I really like that, and then like you can just you see the progression of how Amy and Oliver and like on the whole entire comic and your skills as a uh, as an artist have just evolved over these last two years, and it almost three, oh yeah, yeah. almost three now. So like over these three years, to where you're like, oh my gosh, this like I I'm basically watching you evolve as a as an artist and it's super cool yeah every um every single uh uh episode i'm trying to become a better artist um and there's two reasons for that one is that uh i really do want to master my craft and and become you know to get really like world-class level skills someday um Mm -hmm. but another part is that i uh i want to survive as an artist too (laughs) Um, and I, I, the, the Webtoons experiment, um, I gotta be careful about how I talk about this cause they're my employer, but the Webtoons experiment is really awesome. And I, I believe that it is the future of, of, uh, you know, of, or at least a possible future about how, how web comics might be distributed on the web. Um, so I believe in it, but I'm also like also learned my lesson the hard way about uh kind of of uh of how turbulent the comics industry can be and and i i I, i'm always like well what if webtoons ended tomorrow (laughs) you know would i have the skills to find new work and uh to compete with other artists because um you know when i first just like i explained earlier like getting into webtoons when i did it was it was kind of me being an opportunist um and there's plenty of artists out there who are a lot better than me as, uh, as far as draftsmanship goes. Um, but uh, so I've been really trying to improve my draftsmanship and my, the appeal of my characters and the, their consistency and proportion and, and, uh, and their anatomy and stuff. And I'm trying to improve. And it's, uh, it's an ideal way to improve. But um, Webtoons is super generous. And, and uh, so... I get to draw comics all the time. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not going to waste a second of this. I'm going to be, I'm going to just keep trying to grow as much as I can. Now I, I will say like, like I said, going back to reading the old stuff, I do miss all of the, uh, like the way that you used to draw yeah. like the feet and everything. Like the, the, I miss that. I miss that sometimes. I'm like, Oh, I, I like, cause I had forgotten about that a lot. I was like, Oh, that's right. They used to be so, so very stylized. Yeah, very iconic. They were, they were really cool looking. Yeah. yeah, I think um, my style is maybe this is a little too technical, but like early on, I'm, I rely a lot more on icon and shape, and um, they've almost been those 
that iconography has almost been like a placeholder until I can fill it in with like anatomy and, you know, perspective and foreshortening and all that stuff. But, but the story's there uh, regardless of the art style. So that's always been something that's been important to me a story first, then, then your art, then your everything else. And um, I, I love that uh, Amy's had the uh, the buns the whole time, the the bun pigtail things. I I don't even know what you I don't even know what you call those. Yeah, yeah. Her hair. Everyone. Is. It's kind of a mystery because people people joke that they're like anti gravity. They are. It definitely took from a little bit from Mickey Mouse. Like just having a really identifiable uh, silhouette is important for a main character, especially. Yeah, and um, I've seen I've seen some people, you know, trying to do the cosplay and everything. Um, just the different ways that people, a lot of the girls, tried to do the hair is pretty is pretty funny. Yeah, you got to be really creative to get your hair to stand up like that, especially because they seem to connect at like at like a single point. Like there doesn't seem to be any volume going through the. They're just uh, <laughs> yeah, it's hard to describe for the audience, but you guys should go to you guys can go to webtoons and, and look out. Uh, check out space boy to see what we're talking about now uh so so what have been some of your uh, your favorite interactions since uh since space boy launched um i just get cool stuff my fans are really cool they uh um some of them can't you know draw so they they make fan art that's like really unique um like one someone sent in uh um, a picture. Well, they had this, so they had drawn, I guess, with this, but they had drawn Oliver in in latte foam, um, uh-huh. in, a, in a latte. It was really impressive. And another person had made a sculpture, and another person had you know, made cosplay, and another person. I recently got like a a picture of. I think it was a. It was like a sequined pillow that said Space Boy, and it was really cool. Like. They make cool stuff, and they're really passionate. Um, so I really appreciate them. I call them my space cadets because they're so cool. And, and I love that you put one of those like at the at the end of like all of your episodes, like a little, um, oh hey, here's you know some awesome fan art, and you always talk about your uh, like the fan art and you know say thank you and everything. I think that's a that's a really cool thing to do. Yeah, um, I've been a little trying to figure out what to do about it because I. I'll have that personal interaction and then um but i can't keep up anymore that they're sending in more fan art than i can post each week <laughs> so i i feel bad because i i literally have like a thousand pieces of fan art that i haven't posted yet that i i need to find a home for it or something i just think i'll start an instagram and uh and start posting there but um yeah they're really generous and awesome and patient with me too Definitely. And I mean, well, I mean, yeah, we kind of got to be patient because you've, you know, you've hooked us. So yeah, we have, we can't, we can't not be patient. <laughs> yeah. It's a kind of a, a tough battle. Um, cause, uh, you want to find out what happens next, but you don't want it to end. And, uh, exactly. space boy does have a really specific ending that I'm aiming for, but it probably won't happen for another, um, two or three years. We're, we're just entering kind of the halfway point. And we're at episode almost 150. So it's uh, a lot more to go. And um, But I'm really thankful that people are so uh, impatient because it means that they're invested. 
Well, I will say one thing. Uh, the fact that you said that there's another probably two to three more years, that is both exciting and terrifying. Because... <laughs> And it's and I especially for you too. Just knowing that this is where I want it to go, and I have this much longer to get to it. Yeah, there's a sense of like, I hope I don't die. Um, work as fast <laughs> as you can. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I, I I really hope it takes off, especially the books. I hope the books do well. Um, uh, because if if it can, um, if it could get into the book world and do well there, it could be a thing for. For a long time to come, which is exciting. So, uh, so for the book, that, so you said it comes out in July. Yeah, it's going to come out from um, from Dark Horse to July third. Excellent. So, is it just a uh, is it just like a kind of like an omnibus of uh, okay. episodes one through one through sixteen? Uh, it's going to be one through sixteen, like okay. two hundred and thirty pages, and it's full color. And I actually original people are like, how are you going to convert the scrolling format to, to pages, but I actually draw them in pages first and then convert that to the scrolling format. So um, it'll read pretty nicely as a graphic novel. And uh, man, the, the pace that they have us work for Webtoons is something is, again, I think it's a different thing for, um, I think Webtoons is another example of kind of the, the Eastern invasion of comics because the, the the amount that a American cartoonist produces versus a, a Korean or a Chinese or a, a Japanese cartoonist pr- has to produce is just so massively different. So anyway, um, all that to say, I I currently have about uh, I think I let's see here two thousand I think I have about nine or ten volumes of Space Boy that I've drawn in three years. I signed a contract with with uh, with Dark Horse to post the first four volumes, and we're working on the design right now, and it looks super cool. Um, and I think it'll be a nice, it'll be really neat for people to be able to buy it and like see the characters in full resolution and all of the little details that aren't readily apparent on the on the app. Um, but yeah, I really hope that it, it takes off and I get to see all of that work turn into turn into paper because there's something so nice about paper. Again. The beginning of the show, I like raged about how um, how terrible this technology was because none of it was real. But the weird thing is, I haven't actually uh, printed any, uh, hardly any of the Space Boy comic that I've drawn. So Space Boy entirely exists in ones and zeros as of, as of this moment. Um, I'll I'll draw it on my computer and I'll format it and I'll send it off and. It hasn't actually had a physical manifestation in the world yet. So there's a sense of like, I don't even think I know how much work I've actually done. Like if I was able to, if I had the, the 10 volumes here stacked before me, I'd be like, whoa, I've drawn a lot. But when you just upload something that you can swipe through, um, it feels like so much less, you know, like we, it feels a lot more disposable. Well, I, I for one definitely can't wait because I will be the the first time that we see that pre order, I'm gonna start that pre order because I definitely yeah. went in on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the the pre order is up on Amazon right now, and I'm gonna. Are yeah. Oh, dude, and it's crazy. Me? Like Amazon, they've marked it's an eleven dollar book, but they've marked it down to like seven dollars and fifty cents or something crazy, and it's a full color book. I'm I'm really impressed. Um. 
$7.18 right now on Amazon. The title will be released on July 3rd. Uh, (laughs) There we go. Nice. Done. Yeah. I didn't even I didn't even know that it was already ready for pre order. Oh, That's it's awesome. ready. The um, I'm gonna be doing a a, uh, a pre order contest. So keep hold of your your confirmation number for that because uh, there'll be like free downloads and and uh, anyone who like submits their confirmation order can can uh, can be. Yeah, get those downloads and be entered in to win, like, prize and merchandise from the store. And I'm going to make, like, an original Space Boy painting as the grand prize. Yeah, That's so sweet. trying to get a lot of pre-orders as, as much as I can before the book comes out. Because that actually gives it a really big boost um, when it finally comes. Yeah, let's let's make it to where, like, everybody listening, let's make it to where Dark Horse has to, like, do, like, 17 editions of Volume like, 1. That's, that's yeah. what we need. <laughs> Like, oh snap, we, we have seventeen thousand pre orders. Uh yeah, that's what we yeah. need. Now so so you're getting the um so so we're getting the actual physical copy. When I mean what all do you want Space Boy to become? Like, are you hoping that somebody comes along and is like, Hey, let's make a let's make a show? Yeah, I mean I um I have an agent who uh is gonna be we decided it would be best to wait until there might be a couple graphic novels out but he's gonna he's gonna be pitching it in hollywood um and uh nice we're hoping to make a show um at some i don't know i hope it becomes something but that's again like like the lottery <laughs> even if a even if yeah. a work gets optioned um that's still a lottery ticket within a lottery ticket because not you know it's it's something like five percent you know like one percent of all the work submitted is optioned, and one percent of that is actually made into something. Um, so it's a it's a rare deal, but I really hope it spreads because I believe the story transcends transcends the the medium of comics. I think it would it would go really well in like a, a Netflix show or or some ongoing show. Um, I think the themes are important and and re- relevant to you know, where we are as a culture and what we're trying to process through right now. Um, what we're trying to understand about ourselves in the world. So, uh, do you have any, um, advice for any, you know, f- uh, content creators out there right now or someone who, you know, wants to start a web comic or someone who's just really starting to get into, you know, art, anything like that? Do you have any good advice? Yeah. Um, I wrote, or bad advice, yeah. just advice. I wrote a, an entire book about, creative process called brick by brick and it's on my most of it's on my website doodlelally.com so that's d-o-o-d-l-e-a-l-l-e-y.com and uh brick by brick is a book about creative um sustainable creativity Um, because there's this idea that essentially if you want to become good at something it's just going to take a long time it's going to take a really long time and that's just the reality of it but it's okay uh, because there are ways to make that whole journey um, sustainable. Like, essentially, I, I think a lot of us, like artists, the temptation we have when we approach an artist is like, hey, how do you draw good? You know, <laughs> but the real question we should be asking is, how do you get yourself to draw for 10,000 hours, you know, or 15,000 hours? Like, how do you get yourself to draw so long? <laughs> if you could just figure out that question, um, 
then it almost doesn't even matter how you draw. If, if you were to draw for that long, you would be really good. And so that's what all of those, I, it's actually, it's a book I wrote, but it's in comics form. So it's, it's really accessible. And it, it's all about how to make that, that journey sustainable because um, it's really not about what you're doing. It's more about not giving up and, and, and if you're doing, that makes sense. Um, we, we, have an, uh, we have a feeling of like, oh, I drew something and it's bad, so I stopped. But we have to make a, a billion, you know, we have to make a, a many, many bad things in order to make. There is a, there's a quote from the book um, that's gone kind of viral and turned into a life of its own. But um, the, the, the master has failed more times than the beginner has tried. And uh, I really believe that's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I can say just going off of, you know, some personal experience, like I've uh, I've been uh, studying to be a voice actor and I'll be with my coach and I'll say something and I I'll just hate the way it sounds. But he'll come and like, he'll be like, no, that was actually really good. So just because you think that what you're doing or, you know, you you don't have enough confidence in yourself doesn't mean that it's not good enough. Others, not something it's, wow, again, I can't talk. So, yeah, so yeah, voice actor, yeah, it, that's the good thing because you read. Um, but, uh, yeah, just just because you don't think that what you're doing is good enough doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't think Yeah, we're so good. quick to criticize and we're our harshest critics. Um, and I, I think exactly. the reason for that is because we... We have a sense. We know how. We know what is. We, like you, you've, we we listen to voices all the time. You know, um, we we see uh, see the world all the time. So we have a really strong sense of when something doesn't sound right or when something doesn't look right. And so we count on that, and we we forget that like when you're first starting something, you are essentially kind of like a, a baby learning how to walk, and we we need to treat ourselves like we treat babies. Like if a, if a, if a baby were to like, if a baby were to walk and then fall over, you wouldn't be like, you suck. Like you're the worst baby ever. Um, <laughs> you might be like, you suck. <laughs> I might. And then, and then, then you kick dirt on it and be like, bad baby. Spray it with a bottle. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and that's why I have zero kids. No kids for you. Uh, but we need to be gentler with ourselves, and you need to be gentler with babies. So that's all I'm saying. I <laughs> right, Stephen, this was this was an awesome this is an awesome time. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Now, so uh, where can all of our listeners find you? Yeah, you guys should definitely, if you want to read Space Boy, it is a great binge read, and it will keep you nailed to your tablet or your phone or your or your web browser for a good three or four hours. So don't don't look at it if it's like midnight, because you will be awake till late in the morning. But it's a really good story. I'm super proud of it. It's called Space Boy, and it's on webtoons.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at uh, stephenmccraney.com, and there'll probably be a link in the show notes. Yep, we'll put uh, the links to uh, we'll put a link to your store in the show notes, a link to the comic in the show notes, and a link to your uh, your Twitter as well. Awesome, yeah, and uh, that's about it. 
All right, cool. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast, on Twitter at Animate Podcast, on Facebook and Tumblr at Animation Station Podcast. You can also find all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and at our website, animationstationpodcast.com. Now, before we go, uh, we do have one more thing. We're doing a special Space Boy giveaway. Um, so for the giveaway, we're giving away of two of... Uh, we're, sorry, giving away of... We're giving away two of Steven's Amy and Oliver posters uh, from his store. To enter, all you have to do is follow the Animation Station on Instagram and comment on one of our Space Boy posts of what you like most about Space Boy. Uh, this contest will... Uh, real, again, I can't read or talk. This contest will run through Sunday, March 4th at 12 p.m., uh, Pacific Standard Time. The two winners will be announced on our March 5th episode. So you have until now, until Sunday at noon Pacific Time, to comment what your favorite you know, part about Space Boy is. And that way, we can, you know, you'll get entered, to that, uh, entered for that. You'll get some ASP merch, and you'll get some awesome Space Boy merch as well. Okay, so I mean, uh, Steven, that's all I got. You got anything else, man? Uh, not really. Thanks for having me, and and uh, <laughs> I appreciate you uh, uh, sticking in there, even with that cold that you're getting over. Oh man, it's it's been killing me. But hey, I want uh, definitely something that I'm never gonna turn down an interview because I'm sick. I'll I'll crawl to the microphone, clutching yeah. it with my with my dying breath, and be like, and we're done, and then sign yeah. off, and then I'll go out. Someone else will have to edit it, but I will have done the interview. And that's how he died. Exactly. Put that on his tombstone. <laughs> died with died with a mic in his hand. It was All right. worth it. It was definitely worth it. All right, again, Stephen, thanks so much for coming on. All right, really appreciate it. All right, so for the animation station, I'm Josh. And I'm Stephen. Perfect. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>